Kevin O'Brien here, the FF Engineer. I host the Fantasy Football Engineering Podcast, where I bring on a guest each week to discuss a wide range of topics, all to apply practical knowledge in order to design, research, build, and maintain your dynasty rosters for now and beyond. I borrow brilliance from each guest and share how I leverage many different areas of expertise to accomplish a common goal of competing all year round. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. You're listening to the Dynasty League Football Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to the first DLF Dynasty Podcast of 2018. I am your host, Dan Myler, with my co-hosts, Matt Price and Ryan McDowell. The season is over, but the fun is just about to begin for us in the Dynasty community. Matt, you have to be just as fired up as I am, not only for the playoffs, but what comes after the draft process and everything like that. Oh, yeah, man. I'm so excited to get into these rookies. I honestly don't have a lot of time to watch college football in season, so I'm excited to uh, dig into the film. But uh, on a sad note, I hear that I haven't read the details, but I hear draft breakdown is going to close up shop. So that's going to make things a little bit more difficult this offseason. For sure. One of my favorite go-to places for, for all that film that we watch, whether it's on YouTube or directly to their site, they've done such a good job for so long, Ryan. I know you do have a lot of chances to watch college football in season because you're addicted to the game like I am. Uh, you got to be just as thrilled. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love love the offseason. Probably, yeah, probably more than the regular season even. It's, it's just that... Uh, that fun aspect of Dynasty, the draft, the NFL Combine, free agency, and uh, more and more in the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of trades in the NFL. So hopefully that continues this offseason. Uh, and really, as we say at DLF, there is no offseason. And, and the NFL has become a year-round sport. We love it. Absolutely. I think we'd all agree that the regular season is, is a little bit of a grind, especially for us that are as involved as, as we are. Uh, Ryan, you especially, you're so busy with it. Uh, even me writing an article every week and doing the podcast and putting in the lineups and, and all of our listeners out there that, that watch their teams and put in the lineups, it, it's a little bit of a grind. And the end of the season brings a little bit of relief for that and the excitement of the new season. But before we get to any of that draft stuff, we have a postseason to think about, and I thought it'd be fun at the beginning of this episode, since we're about to kick off the 2018 playoffs, to find out what the three of us think is going to happen here. Are we excited for the postseason, first of all? And quick prediction, Matt, who's going to the Super Bowl and who's going to win it? Well, I'm less excited about the postseason than most years, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... Uh... I, I can't. I can't root against the. I mean, I, I can. I can root against the Patriots, and I will root against the Patriots. But I don't. I just don't think they're gonna. Unless maybe they run into Jacksonville and and, and they they can knock them off. But, you know, maybe maybe Pittsburgh meets them. But I just don't see the Patriots not making the Super Bowl this year. The NFC is a little bit more difficult. Uh, I think obviously the the Vikings are the favorite, and what a story that would be if they could play a Super Bowl in their own building. But I'm going to roll with the Saints. I just I, I really like what they're doing, what they've become this season, uh, balanced on both sides of the ball. So uh, I'm going to go with the Saints and the Patriots, and I, I think it's probably still going to be the Patriots that win the whole thing. 
Ryan, what do you think? Who's going to the Super Bowl? You know, I thought I would have a little bit of a unique pick, but uh, I totally agree with Matt. I just can't go against the Patriots. I don't see anybody else uh, going into Foxborough and beating them. So, <laughs> unfortunately for, for a lot of us who, whether you're a Patriots hater or you just kind of want to see someone different in that in that Super Bowl, I, I don't really see it happening. Uh, and then on the NFC, again, I'm with Matt. The Saints uh, are, are the team that I'll I'll be cheering for and I'll, I'll be picking as well. Yeah, I think the Saints are the only team that can go to Minnesota or could go to Minnesota and beat the Vikings. That's a tough place to play for sure, except for the Patriots, of course, in the Super Bowl. I'm going to be rooting for the Saints. I'm a big Drew Brees fan. Go Saints, but I, I don't know if anybody can beat the Vikings uh, now that Carson Wentz is down. So my official pick will be the Vikings, and I'm going to take the Steelers out of AFC. I think the Patriots have some flaws, and I know Pittsburgh would have to go to Foxborough and beat them, but those flaws come out in the playoffs, and I know Tom Brady has all the magic and 40 years old and all the stuff that goes along with it, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with the Steelers. But, hey, this is from the guy that picked the Giants as the Dark Horse Super Bowl <laughs> winner <laughs> at the beginning of the season. So what do I know? Did the Vikings take it, Dan? Can you imagine Case Keenum Super Bowl MVP? Like, who, <laughs> well, who would have ever said those words, you know, three months Case ago? Case Keenum's mom. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mrs. Keenum out there. Super Bowl MVP someday. So, well, before we get to uh, the Super Bowl, we thought it'd be fun to take a quick flashback, or not really a quick one, guys. Uh, Over the next six weeks, we decided to do a five-year rookie draft flashback. So, we're going to start with the 2013 uh, rookie draft. We'll look at that class, take a look at what the ADP back in the summer of 2013 was. And week by week, we'll go through each draft class over the last five years. That'll culminate in six weeks with an overview of all five classes. And we're going to do mock drafts, or or drafts, if you will. The three of us will draft teams. We'll uh, compile a roster with a starting lineup. And at the end of it, we're going to ask our listeners to vote on the best starting lineup that, that the three of us were able to compile. And the winner will get a big fancy prize. So, uh, without any other ado, fellas, uh, let's get right to this 2013 rookie class. Let's start with a little bit of a recap. I want to know, first of all, Ryan, we all have guys coming into a draft that, that we really like. It seemed to like more than other players. When you think back on the 2013 class, whether it was a good choice or a bad choice, who's the guy, that, the player that you remember most and the guy you were after, uh, whether it was an early-round guy or a late-round bargain? Um, I, I think this class overall takes a lot of heat as, as a down or a disappointing class, and, and there's a few reasons for that. We'll talk about that throughout the show, I'm sure. But it, it really is, especially as, as I've been studying this and, and getting ready for the show, it's it's a, a lot stronger class than it gets credit for and, and really than I remember it for. Uh, the player that I think of, even though we've got some, some of the top players in the game coming from this class, the one I'd probably associate with the class overall, the, the class of 2013, is Giovanni Bernard. That year, if you were playing Dynasty at this point, if you were involved in, in these rookie drafts, you probably remember. That year was unlike really any other that, that we've seen in quite a while. Not only was there not a consensus 101 pick, but there were four or five or six players uh, vying for that spot, depending on how 
how your league played out and uh, and really just who owned that top pick because you would see some players go 101 and in another draft that same player might fall to the middle part of the first round but for me the player I was targeting the player I was taking if I had that top pick was Gio Bernard that's a little bit surprising because I know you're you're a big new Hopkins guy you've talked about him in yep. the past how how you liked him so much coming into the draft but but with the way the draft was unfolding back then it seemed like those running backs were the hot names we were, we were talking about that group at the top so you, you kind of had to pick out of that with with newt being the guy right after that most likely uh for you matt who's the guy for you uh i mean i could talk about the guys at the top that i was into you know nuke was certainly in there but one guy who i was really excited about in this class didn't even really last an entire season and that's jonathan franklin remember him dan <laughs> man i was in love with jonathan franklin it was all about eddie lacy then but the franklin they got, got drafted too and he was just this sub six foot uh kind of a one cut runner just explosive out of those breaks uh, could catch the ball really well and unfortunately he suffered both a concussion and a neck injury on the same play I think it was returning a kickoff against the Vikings so uh that was really sad um but he was a guy that I was really excited about from this class yeah I I always think back on DeAndre Hopkins of course he was my number one guy in the class actually I was the guy trading down to make sure I secured a Hopkins and another pick in the future the guy that I associate the draft with behind him is probably Monty Ball. Um, <laughs> I'm a big Wisconsin fan, and I, I was a believer that that his nose for the end zone and that tough running style that would translate to the NFL. We all know how that story portrayed. I, I actually never drafted him. It's a crazy story because I liked Hopkins so much. Uh, the next guy is probably Le'Veon Bell because I, I wasn't a huge Le'Veon Bell guy watching that Big Ten and watching it, that bowling ball at Michigan State. And then his transformation in the NFL was such a surprise to me. If, if you've never done it, go back and look at some film of him at Michigan State because he's not the same player. Uh, much bigger player, uh, lower the shoulder, boom type of back, uh, goal line guy that I thought would, would get touches around the goal line and, and short yardage and um, break some tackles. Not the the quick guy in and out of cuts and sliding in, into rushing lanes that we, we know and love him for. Now, so uh, before we get to our rookie draft that we're going to do out of that 2013 class, let's take a look, Ryan, at the ADP, a little flashback to the summer of 2013. Some of these guys that we've just talked about are going to, we're going to find, let's start with those top three guys overall. We'll do, we'll do each round in fourths to start out. Who are the top three? Um, so like I mentioned, there was really no consensus number one pick. In fact, the top seven players, their ADP, and this is pulled from my fantasy league data from back in 2013, the top seven players have very little separation in their ADP. The top three are Tavon Austin, uh, of course, the Rams wide receiver, Gio Bernard was second, and then Le'Veon Bell was third. Yeah, Bell was an interesting one for sure. He's the one we will have plenty of chances to talk about for sure let's let's start off with Tavon Austin because I think we'll all agree that him being number one in the ADP earlier that's changed drastically now flashback of five years later what was the deal with Austin Matt coming in and why hasn't it really clicked for him I, I always just really thought he was going to be the gadget player that he is. I think there was some hope that he would be able to translate as a true wide receiver, and he was just so fast and so quick. And, you know, we had hopes that, that 
that it was going to get into a, a system where the offensive coordinator, the head coach, was going to be able to really be creative with them. Unfortunately, he played for Jeff Fisher for, for many years. So I don't know if that's the reason why it didn't work out. Uh, but, you know, I, I do remember specifically trying to talk people out of out of taking Tavon Austin at one overall. I think he went at one overall in, in both of my home leagues. Uh, you know, I was pushing for Gio at that spot. Um, but what a disappointing player. And, and maybe like one of the worst contracts in, in NFL history, too. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I believe it was in like the $50, $60 million range uh, for him that he signed several years ago. So uh, that, I'm, I'm glad that the Rams have, uh, have a brighter future now. Let's just say that. Ryan, you, you said earlier that you were a Giovanni Bernard guy at the top of the draft. I, you know, that's not a horrible pick. He's still contributing for dynasty owners, uh, especially late this past season. But certainly not the pick you would make now. Defend your your thoughts on Giovanni Bernard and and why weren't you considering Tavon Austin at the top? Um, I just wasn't a believer in Austin at all, honestly. I mean, I I kind of expected him like uh, like Matt said, just to be a gadget player. I, I'm one who has always been a little wary of those guys whose whose fantasy value seems to re, uh, rely solely on on their speed and. You know, John Ross would be the example this year. He was a guy I I avoided. Uh, just thought thought his value was artificially propped up by that, and and really thought kind of the same thing with Tavon Austin. I thought the Rams reached for him. A- again, same thing with Ross. The the reach in the actual NFL draft kind of boosted his fantasy value, and that that probably just shouldn't have happened. So I never really considered Austin at all. Not only with the 1.01, but uh, he was just not a player I wanted on my team. For Bernard, I, I liked the situation. I felt like at that point that was an offense kind of on the rise. Uh, A.J. Green was kind of coming into his own at that point as, as uh, like that, that next young stud wide receiver. And, and then that, so they added Bernard. They also added Tyler Eifert in that class. And that just kind of looked like an offense I wanted, uh, I wanted uh, pieces of. And Bernard looked like he could be the starter for, for maybe years to come. Yeah, I thought a lot of the same things on Bernard. It, it just never really materialized. Of course, Hill showed up, and now Mixon, and, and we'll see what the future brings. But Bernard's getting kind of long in the tooth to, to be that scat back, quick guy, uh, pass catcher for sure that can contribute, and if given the chance like he did late in the season in Cincinnati, uh, can contribute for a dynasty owner, but uh, his best days are most likely behind him. After Austin, Bernard, and Le'Veon Bell, Ryan, who do we see as those next three guys? Uh, next three, again, all very close in there. Monty Ball, we already mentioned him a little bit. Eddie Lacy was uh, the fifth guy off the board, and then Hopkins was sixth. Yeah, we, we're going to have opportunities to talk about Hopkins as well. Monty Ball, I already touched on him a little bit. Ryan, I'm curious to think to hear your thoughts on Monty Ball, both back then and then as his career kind of unwound there in Denver over those couple years that he was there. Yeah, he was another guy I was avoiding. Um, so I, I, I feel like I got that one right. But at the same time, when I think about Monty Ball, I think about a dynasty team that I was starting the year after this. So I guess that was the offseason of uh, 2014. He looked like uh, he had had a, a pretty solid rookie year and looked like he was going to be that that every down back in Denver. I don't know if you guys remember this, but his ADP, even in redraft leagues, just shot up and throughout that offseason. Um, and, and I fell for it, even though 
coming out as a rookie. He was not a player I liked, fell for it, took him in a startup draft and, and got nothing out of it. So um, I, I guess the lesson I learned there is, is just to trust my, my evaluation, my original evaluation. Yeah, that, that strong finish to his rookie year gave Dynasty owners everywhere a lot of hope. And that that momentum just built into that offseason. And even the offseason program, all the reports coming out of Denver were that he was going to take over that role and be the number one guy. And it just never came together. Matt, you have to tell us about Eddie Lacy. <laughs> Boy, he talk about a guy who's gone from running back one, uh, that that mid-tier of the running back ones all the way off the fantasy radar almost at this point going to be a free agent after this year once again is there any hope for Lacey and hopefully you weren't buying at the peak were you I I think I think I remember taking him in a couple of rookie drafts I don't remember taking him as high as five but I I was excited as a Packers fan you know we were coming to the end of the the Ryan Grant days and and uh uh, you know, it just looked like he was going to be the next guy. And he was, he was really good those first two years. And then just, I, I don't know, man, I, I just, I still a mystery to me. I know that, you know, overeating is, is actually, is, is a, is a thing that, that plagues a lot of people. But like when you're an NFL football player, make it a millions of dollars, rest on your, your diet decisions, you know, your job is to be in good shape. Just such a head scratcher for me, you know. Um, and, and, I, and I think there was probably a little bit of of mismanagement in terms of the way he was used to, you know. Like like we've talked about many times, Dan. Like there were so many games where just grind the clock down with Lacey, and they just wouldn't do it. So um, I think that probably contributed a little bit to his demise in Green Bay and and now in Seattle. Like I, again, I I kind of bought in again at least early in the off season that okay, you know, they just paid him a starter's starter's uh, salary, and and there was really not anybody else there except for an injured. Uh, often injured Thomas Rawls, but it just it just didn't work out there either. Even with all those uh, those weight clauses, you know, there was all that last off season was like, oh, he hit two fifty, so he gets five hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was, and it just just never worked out. I, I I don't really see him ever being a productive back again. You know, I just maybe he's a a, a, a kind of a goal line guy or short yardage guy somewhere, but he wasn't even really that good at that those things in Seattle. Um, I know the offensive line there was bad, so maybe if he goes to a team with a good line, there's there's something there. But I mean, I I think he's almost value at this point in the terms of the dynasty asset yeah he's he's hanging on for dear life at the bottom of dynasty rosters for sure ryan throw us those next three the seven eight and nine pick in the 2013 sure so the seventh player uh, again just right in there with the top six uh, almost no gap to the seventh player which was uh, cordero patterson wide receiver uh, minnesota at that time now with oakland and then we saw a little bit of a gap, actually quite a big gap. Um, so Patterson's ADP, rookie ADP, was 6.5, uh, putting him at the seventh player overall. The eighth player had an ADP of 11.3. So that's a huge gap from one player to the next when, when they're in the first round. Uh, the eighth player was Tyler Eifert. Uh, and then the ninth player was Marcus Lattimore, the running back from San Francisco. Yeah, Lattimore is a cruel story, really, for for a lot of football fans. Lattimore himself, of course, and uh, and for dynasty owners everywhere. I don't know if we really need to dig too much into him. I was an Eifert guy coming out. I, I thought he was a bargain. A lot of times you could get him with one of those last picks of the first round, and I thought he was a steal there. Since then... My my feelings towards him have gone up and down so much that, I, and I've said it on the podcast before, 
I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of the injuries and showing that upside in glimpses and then completely disappearing only to find out that he's had a nagging leg injury and then on IR for the season. And I'm, I'm just to the point now that I'm waiting for that comeback and that the big stretch of a couple games or the good news in the offseason, whatever it might be, that brings that value back up to the point that I can get something out of him. Still a very useful guy, Ryan. What are your thoughts on Eifert now, and, and how did you feel about him back in 2013? I really just almost mirror uh, what you just said. Um, I was I was a fan then. Uh, he was a player, even though his ADP here uh, in our data doesn't reflect it, he was a player I remember some people really taking a stand on. He went, he went 1.03 in a couple of my drafts above some of these other players, which was just unheard of for a tight end at that point. But again, that just kind of goes to show the variance in this class and that different drafts were, <laughs> were, were so totally different. Really ADP at that point, and, and maybe we could say ADP now, had, had very little value because the drafts were uh, so unique. But um, as Eifert has gone along, yeah, these, these injuries, I mean, back injuries are nothing <laughs> – Nothing to fool around with. The quote that sticks in my head, it was referring to Tony Romo at the time, but now maybe it can be said about Tyler Eifert as well after his back surgery is nobody used to have a bad back. If you have a bad back, it's it, it's going to stick with you for uh, pretty much for the rest of your life, and that's especially true if you're um, getting hit hard on, on the football field every Sunday. So... Yeah, I've got some major concerns about Eifert. He's lost a ton of value over these past uh, past few months. Yeah, if we would have done this exercise a year ago, and especially two years ago, where he went in this draft would probably be a lot different for sure. I think the three of us probably share a brain on that one. Who are the last three of that first round, Ryan? All right, last three. Um, Jonathan Franklin, you guys already mentioned. He was the 10th player. The 11th player taken was Keenan Allen. And then the 12th player was Zach Stacy, um, St. Louis Rams back then. Yeah, I think a lot of people remember Stacy in that run that he he went on when he, he was with the Rams and had that starter's job. And there was a lot of conversation of, is he a real deal? And and will he continue that, that stretch that he had late in that season, particularly carried guys to dynasty championships. It just never materialized. I remember he went to the Jets and then suddenly I, I remember seeing the, the retirement announcement and thinking to myself, boy, that guy's pretty young. Ryan, run through the second round for us real quick, and then we'll talk about some of the surprises out of the third and beyond. All right, second round. Let's see. We've got Justin Hunter, 13, Aaron Dobson, Kristen Michael, Robert Woods, Marcus Wheaton, E.J. Manuel, quarterback, Buffalo. Uh, they took him in the first round. Joseph Randall, Dallas running back, Zach Ertz at 20. Uh, let's see. We've got Geno Smith, Kenbrell Tompkins. That's, that's a blast from the past. Uh, Terrence Williams, Travis Kelsey at the, in the late second round. Uh, and that's it. He's actually the end of the second round. So there's a lot of names there, Matt, that are, that are going to catch our listeners' eyes or ears, I guess. Uh, remembering back, oh man, I could have had Ertz there. Wow, I could have had Kelsey there. You you were a tight end guy this past dra- year's draft in the 2017 rookie class. If you were a tight end guy back in 2013, you really cashed in when you think about Eifert late in the first. Guys like Ertz and Kelsey. Uh, we'll get to another tight end here shortly. Were you a tight end guy that year? Were you buying in the second and third round? I got 
so much Kelsey in the in the third round, early third kind of area, and I, I mean, I, I'm obviously loving that. Uh, I was never an Ertz guy. Um, I've obviously come around <laughs> uh, lately with Wins under center there, uh, but he was he was just someone who I wasn't super interested in. Uh, you know, I didn't really like his athletic profile that much. Uh, I, I thought he maybe was a little bit kind of a little bit skinny for my take in terms of being being a tight end, be able to withstand the punishment of the position. Um, but I mean, as we look back on this class, you know, we talk about the, the 2016 class as like, you know, maybe the best tight end class ever, but there was a lot of good tight ends in this class too. Uh, some guys we haven't even mentioned that were undrafted like Jack Doyle, you know, so, uh, so pretty strong class from that position. And I was definitely buying at that time more towards the late second, early third kind of area. Matt, would you say that, that that's a regular thing for you to, to buy buy into tight, the tight end position in the second and third rounds of your rookie drafts, and why? Uh, I just I don't like investing first-round picks, although I did in a, lot of, a lot of Evan Ingram this season. Um, but, yeah, I just like to take shots on those guys. I, I think I maybe have a little bit of a problem with the tight end position. You know, it's such a dumpster fire of a position that I'm always kind of looking for that that next, that athletic freak, you know, I've got players like Rico gathers and, and Eric swoop still sitting on rosters and guys like that. I'm just, just waiting for, for them to get an opportunity, you know? So, so absolutely. I, I'm, I've been known to take shots at tight end in the late second, early third, you know, and beyond too, of course. For our listeners benefit, Ryan, uh, name off some of those third round picks, both the good ones and the bad ones. And then even some beyond then that might catch our listeners ears. Sure, some players that stand out from the third round. Again, these some of these players have uh, turned in a solid career, and others uh, I just remember being, um, well, they, they turned out to be landmines, I guess I should say. Mike Gillisley was the top of the, top of the third round. Derrick Rogers was a popular player, a popular wide receiver to take a chance on back then. Stedman Bailey had his career cut short. Um, some other players in that third round, Niall Davis, Again, talk about chasing speed. He was the, the speedy running back for the Chiefs. Zach Sudfeld, uh, the, the tight end that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, a lot of people chasing him late in that offseason and that preseason when he uh, played so well. Uh, Latavius Murray was in that third-round range. Josh Boyce was a the wide receiver for the Patriots that – uh, so many people just kept giving second chances, and, and he just never really materialized. Yeah, it, you know, a, a lot of our listeners are going to listen to Ryan's calling out these names and think back, oh, man, Rogers, I, I was in on him. I, I really thought he was the guy, and, and other names as well. I, I, I hear these names and where they're going, and it happens with every draft class, of course, but, but just the disappointments that came out of these drafts. We talked about in the first round with Lattimore and that, that huge upside that we just absolutely never got to see uh, Jonathan Franklin with the injury and Zach Stacy and, and, you know, Hunter and Dobbs and, Oh man, the list goes on and on. EJ Manuel's in that group, of course, too. And then all, all those guys you mentioned in the third round. Is there anything we can learn from all of this, Ryan? Was there anything when you were going through all this ADP from the 2013 class now, five years later that you can take from it to become a better drafter or a better evaluator going into this new class that we're about to start digging into? I think a couple things stood out to me. Um, and we kind of already talked about the tight ends, but if you took a shot on uh, Jordan Reed, we haven't even mentioned that name, but he was, he was the 41st player off the board, uh, according to this ADP. So he was probably a late third, early fourth rounder in most drafts. 
Uh, and then we had the other tight ends that we've already mentioned in that second or third round range. So I, I love taking chances on, on tight ends and quarterbacks in that range. And I, I think you can, you can hit gold pretty easily. I mean, even, I don't know, we've, we've just become so stubborn about, especially about quarterbacks, you know, just refusing to take a quarterback in the first round. And, and we, we all probably saw Deshaun Watson fall to the, the third round, maybe even of rookie drafts. And, and now you're not getting him for less than a first rounder for sure. Uh, and, and then the other thing is just looking at some of these players who were not immediate hits. They didn't, didn't make an immediate impact. If we gave up on them too soon, maybe you regretted that Marquise Goodwin was a fourth rounder in that range or in that year. And he, uh, He's turned in a, a good solid year and, and maybe has some value going forward. And then some of the uh, some of the players in that second round range that we already talked about who uh, took a little bit of a while to develop. Robert Woods may be the key one there, but we're seeing some value return on them at this point. Yeah, Woods is a guy for me, and we'll have an opportunity to talk about him, I'm sure, that... I was high on, I, li- I liked his skill set and thought it would translate to Sundays and it didn't to start out his career up there in Buffalo. Now we, we've seen him in a new offense with a, with a quality offensive mind running that, uh, running that ship there in Los Angeles and that value is starting to climb. We're seeing it climb in ADP month by month. And, you know, I still think that's the same player. So maybe the lesson for me is to, like you said earlier, Ryan, stick to that valuation uh, or evaluation that you had coming out as as long as you possibly can, especially in deep leagues where you can afford to hold these kind of guys uh, because you never know when, when you're going to need Robert Woods in a playoff team uh, because suddenly he's catching five balls every week now that – He's with Los Angeles. Yeah, I think the the conversation to have there is if you drafted Robert Woods in the middle of the second round that year and, and you held on all this time, is that is that really a win? Was it really worth it to get, you know, wide receiver? I think he was wide receiver 32 this year. So was it worth wide receiver 32 production and whatever he might do going forward to basically have that dead roster spot for three years? Well, it, it – of course, depends on your your league's construction if you have the roster space to do that and things like that. But assuming you do have the space, it's got to be a little bit gratifying for owners. I know that's not an elite season by any means, but when you use a second-round pick, you're not expecting elite. You're expecting, uh, usually at the best case, uh, somebody that can give you some production, and, and he did that for a year. Now, I, I would tell you that Robert Wood's owners that are out there and have him on rosters are probably saying – Wow, I hope I, I'm really hoping I can count on him to be my wide receiver three in 2018. And if you held on this long, you're happy to get it after the three years that you talked about of absolutely no production. But with that, let's let's move quickly to to this uh, 2013 rookie raf, draft redo. I guess we can call it the flashback to the 2013 draft. We. Uh, for this exercise, we decided to, to assume it's a PPR league, of course. And also, for the fun of this exercise, we also decided to assume it's super flex to get more quarterbacks involved, potentially. I don't know about this class necessarily. We had an elaborate scream to try to figure out who would get the top pick in this draft, so we planned a potato sack race, and we said in the email it would happen in 
SD, so I went to San Diego, and Matt went to South Dakota, and Ryan <laughs> thought we were fools, so he stayed at home. He's the only smart one, so he'll get the number one pick in this draft. So, Ryan, you're on the clock with the number one pick in the 2013 Rookie Draft Redo. Who are you taking? Um, you know, we talked about how um, just how, how solid this class is, uh, even though it's not always thought of that way. Um, but even though there are some nice options at the top, it's pretty easy for me. I'm taking DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's uh, has a strong argument to be the top overall dynasty asset after his season, uh, being paired with a top young quarterback going forward. Uh, really, no question marks about him. He was the wide receiver two this year, even uh, missing a game or two. So he's he's the easy pick for me at 1.01. Yeah, I would have taken DeAndre Hopkins easily as well at the top. He is my number one player. Uh, if we were doing a startup today, I would take him with the top pick. Matt, first of all, if you had one, who would you take? Oh, yeah. Maybe Hop- it's the guy you're going to get. And secondly, who's going to be the second pick? It's definitely Nuke at the top for sure. Um, he was definitely a target of mine in this class. And like Ryan said, he's probably the top dynasty asset overall, depending on how you feel about uh, Odell Beckham Jr. right now. And I think, you know, once we have – all five of these drafts complete. He'll be at worst like the second player in that in that exercise. Uh, I there's a player I should take here, and I know you're going to take him when I don't. But I cannot uh, let my boy Keenan Allen pass me here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take him at the second spot overall. Uh, you know, he finally put together that full 16 game season, and we saw what he did. He had a historic three game stretch there in the middle of the season. Uh, so I, I'm I'm extremely excited about what Keenan Allen's going to do going forward. Um, and I, I should maybe take this other guy that you're going to take, but I, I'm going to stick with my guy. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a surprise. A lot of our listeners would probably think so. I'm happy to take Le'Veon Bell with the third spot. Uh, that that seems like a slam dunk when you're getting Le'Veon Bell that late in a, in a draft. Honestly, I'm kind of shocked. I, I shouldn't be because I know you're a Keenan Allen guy, Ryan. What do you what are your thoughts of Keenan Allen going over Le'Veon Bell? Yeah, I guess it is surprising um, at, at first glance, but the more you think about it, I, I don't mind it. I think Bell's probably in that mid to late first round range if you're thinking about a startup draft. And I think Allen has creeped into that late first round range as well, um, or maybe early second at the latest. So, you know, if you're the type of person who likes to build around those young wide receivers, I, I, I can understand the pick. Bell's not old, but he's going to be 26 next season. We don't know what's happening if he's coming back to Pittsburgh. And I've been on record as saying I'm worried about him if he does leave Pittsburgh. You know, I don't think Roethlisberger is going to retire, but he might. You never know with him. Uh, so I just think there's enough question marks there for me to let him, you know, pass one more pick. But I, I do think it's like splitting hairs between those two. Yeah, you know, it, to me, looking at this as we see Hopkins, Allen, and Bell at the top of this class, like you said earlier, Ryan, this, this class gets a little bit, it gets a little bit of hate because because it's not as. Uh, dynamic maybe as other classes we've seen people have talked about the 2013 class as being full of disappointments and we talked about a few of them with Monty Ball and others Tavon Austin of course at the top Um, but when you can put three names like Hopkins Allen and Bell Ryan that that's a star-studded start to a draft yeah for sure I think a little bit of that hate maybe comes from um, outside of the fantasy community because the quarterback class is maybe one of the all-time worst. Uh, um, uh, 
you know, we had guys like EJ Manuel and Geno Smith. Those were really the headliners. Mike Glennon is probably the best quarterback to come from this class, which uh, that, that says all we, all we need to know about how bad it is. So if you're thinking about an NFL perspective where quarterbacks rule, then, yeah, maybe I could, I could see where you might say this was a bad class. And, and then when you come at it from a fantasy perspective, especially a dynasty perspective, you had some, some major bust. Uh, Tavon Austin, as we said, was the 1.01 in a lot of drafts. Uh, Monty Ball, we talked about. Corderell Patterson, we talked about. Uh, both of those guys were players that were going in the second, third, fourth round of startup drafts even a year later after this. Uh, and have let down fantasy owners. And then uh, the, the unfortunate injuries with Lattimore and Franklin, both of those guys were first-rounders and uh, just never gave us anything, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a good point that it probably comes outside the dynasty and the fantasy community because if I remember right, the top of that class had the two tackles, Eric Fisher and Luke Jokel as well, and we know how that has worked out over the last five years. So you're not ex- exactly getting superstars at the top uh, in the non-skill position players. So so that that also factors into the overall thoughts on how the draft uh, kind of played out, I, I guess. So we, we did a reversal for this exercise. So after taking Le'Veon Bell with the third pick, I'll also take the fourth pick, and that's going to be Travis Kelsey. I think this is a pretty obvious choice. I'm very happy to, to be able to take a guy like him with, with the fourth slot for sure. Uh, Kelsey was the number one tight end in, in, in our game this past year, barely edging out Gronk in most formats. Uh, he easily is a one of the top dynasty assets at the position, and it really feels to me like like not only a top three that we have in this class, but there, there's a solid top four and maybe beyond. Matt, you have the fifth pick. Which way are you going to go? Yeah, I was. I think there's a pretty big teardrop here coming after this pick, and I was hoping you would take Zach Ertz, but I feel like I have to here, so I'll go ahead and take him. Uh, I definitely per- prefer Kelsey between the two, but uh, after Ertz, it starts to get a little bit muddy, so I feel like I should need to go ahead and lock him up. Ryan, you're on the clock for the sixth pick, and I should remind our listeners here, we are building rosters here, so that is going to factor into our decision-making. Most likely, and we've talked about this on the pod before, we, we like to take the best player available, but considering starting lineups, and, and w- there will be a winner at the end of this exercise, of course, it has to factor in. Uh, who are you taking at number six? Uh, I actually think number six is a pretty easy pick. Uh, it's that it's that next one at number seven I'm still not sure about. But at number six, I am going to take Robert Woods. Uh, that breakout season this year, he's uh, he became the wide receiver one for the Rams and for Jared Goff. Uh, we've talked about that offense on here before. I don't really see anything changing over the next two or three years. They have... Uh, young star players at virtually all of the offensive skill positions and a young uh, up-and-coming head coach as well. So I'm I'm pretty happy to take Robert Woods. Like I said, he was wide receiver 32 this year and even missed, uh, I think he missed three games. So he was well on his way to finishing in that wide receiver two range. So Ryan now has his wide receiver one and a wide receiver three to go on that, that roster. Ryan, you also have the seventh pick in the draft. 
Are you going to keep it going with wide receivers, or is there another position? I don't know what I'm doing. I think you were you thought you were being nice to me, giving me the number one pick and <laughs> giving me Hopkins, and that. we could have we could have allowed a trade because I, I would have gladly taken. We should have traded because. <laughs> I, I, so I I do agree with what you said earlier. I think Hopkins really these top six picks. I think. I don't really see, other than maybe Bell and Allen flip-flop that, that we discussed, other than those, I think these six picks fell exactly like they should have and, and like most people would probably take them. After that, we've talked about a, a lot of these names already, and, and there's actually a few players I'm considering that we haven't talked about, and I think I am going to go that way with the seventh pick. This, this is probably going to be a surprise for you guys. I'm going to take Chris Thompson. No, the uh, the red no. Redskins running back. So uh, he just came out. Uh, we all know that this kind of the story there, but uh, really shocked us all moving from the running back three on that team to the running back nine overall in fantasy weeks one through 11 before he uh, suffered that injury. So uh, hopefully he can come back. I, I don't think Samaj P. Ryan is really much of a threat for for carries, certainly not for catches, which is really where Thompson made his fantasy production. So uh, that might be a little bit of a reach, but like I said, between Thompson at seven and some of these other guys that we're going to talk about, I just don't see much of a gap there. So I'm comfortable reaching and and it makes me feel better that maybe, maybe I upset Matt a little bit. (laughs) No, you know, you yeah, it may that always makes right. me feel better, Ryan. So uh, I I actually think you made the right choice there. If For I have sure. the seven pick, I'm taking Chris Thompson as well. In in kind of a landslide, we talked about it before we started recording tonight. I I actually said I think there's seven. I think we can go as deep as seven, and you thought maybe not. I think Thompson fits in really closely with Robert Woods right there at the six seven spot. Uh, Matt, you're holding eight and obviously wanted Chris Thompson. You're upset. Is that going to affect <laughs> your pick at number eight? I have I have three guys here that I'm thinking of. What's the are we are we allowed to table talk here? Can I game <laughs> this out a little bit? Or... <laughs> are you uh, are you building Ross? Are you, are you considering your your earlier picks before making this pick? I I wasn't actually no. Okay. I, I, I was not. I did not have that. These these this pick will not uh, have an effect on that. But this between it is really between three guys for me here, and all of them have their warts. The one we have talked about already is Giovanni Bernard, and, and he seems like a relatively obvious choice here. But with Mixon there, and, and and the hope that they really make him kind of a feature back, and that Bernard might play a little bit of a smaller role going forward, I, I feel a little bit weird about him. So I'm gonna take oh, god this is gonna hurt and you guys are gonna yell at me for this or somebody's gonna yell at me for this but i'm gonna take theo riddick because i feel like i feel like he's a little bit safer than bernard in terms of his role you know i, I don't think they have an answer there in detroit at the running back position and I, I just think that he's always going to be the pass catcher there unless he just moves on to another team you know but i think he's going to play a similar role there whereas bernard like I don't know. I just have a feeling like if he goes somewhere else, he's not going to be used as well. And it's totally a gut feeling. So I, th- I feel like those two players are pretty similar, both in terms of what they offer from a pan- fantasy perspective and what they do on the field. I do think Bernard's probably a little bit better between the tackles. Um, but uh, I'm going to take the PPR special here in Theoretic. Wow. I, I am surprised, Ryan. Your thoughts? I'm surprised as well. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. I knew uh, it. I, I, it... I don't think he would have been a first-round pick for me. Uh, it's it's wow. a big right. surprise in in my book. Uh, he, I had him outside the top twelve. 
With that, let's move on to number nine, because I'm sure I'll disappoint as well after saying that. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm actually not going to go with Giovanni Bernard here either. I'm going to take my second tight end. I'm going to take Jordan Reed. And I know the injuries are all lingering, and, and they're very, very prevalent. Uh, but just that upside of, of that, that those big games, and, and we, we never said that this was going to be a best ball league or anything like that and that's where you know that's where maybe he has the most value I guess going forward because we don't know about those injuries and and how they're gonna play out Uh, I just think of the players available still he has the upside to to put up elite numbers and I don't know if that exists with anybody else so I'm gonna go with another tight end and Jordan Reed there I also have the pick at 10 and I'm going to avoid Giovanni Bernard once again. Wow. And it's it's for all the reasons that you mentioned there, Matt. Um, I, I'm just not convinced he can he can be a playmaker or, or a consistent contributor for dynasty owners. And so I'm going to sidestep him. And I'm going to go with a guy with a lot of question marks surrounding him. And that's C.J. Anderson. I don't We don't know wow. where he's going to be playing next year. Uh, but I think he has the body and the, and the build and the, and the powerful running, it, the, something that will carry more value in the long run. I think there's the chance that he hooks up with a team or ends up back in Denver and is once again that, that guy that can not always but will at times handle the ball 20 times a game, and I don't think that's available with anybody else. There was a dark horse name that what hasn't been mentioned here just yet, Hopefully, he slides all the way through. But those are my two picks at 9 and 10. That leaves Matt at 11. Well, you really have left me in a pickle here because the other two guys I was considering at the last pick are still here, Bernard being one. Jeez, I'm just going to do it. Uh, I'm not going to take Bernard. I feel like I should. But I'm going to go ahead and take Spencer Ware with the... What is this, the 11th pick? Uh, I, you know, I don't think he's done. His knee, he was a starter heading into the season. Hunt obviously took over as a superstar. Uh, we have no idea what that split is going to look like going forward, you know, in 2018 and beyond. But I don't think Ware is necessarily done. I think he's a good player. He's an underrated pass catcher. And obviously he's good uh, between the tackles there. And I do think he, uh, in a similar style to C.J. Anderson, given the right opportunity, he can carry the ball 20-plus times a game and be, you know, kind of a feature back if, if the team was going to use him that way. So uh, I guess Giovanni Bernard continues to slide, Ryan. I'm going to let him keep sliding, I think. Uh, wow. Yeah, he Bernard was not in my top 12. I made my top 12 list to prepare for this. Uh, Riddick and Ware were also not in my top 12. So I have three names left uh, to choose from, and, and it is a tough choice. Um, I think I'm going to go so, – so the Bengals that year, of course, drafted Giovanni Bernard – uh, but later in the draft, they also added Rex Burkhead, and I think that's who I'm going to take with this 12th pick. Um, assuming he stays in in New England and he is entering free agency this offseason, uh, I think he's a value, and I think what we've seen from him, <clears throat> excuse me, as, as he's been healthy, is is something we can expect to continue. Certainly some surprises there, but Rex Burkhead was the other guy I was – referencing when I was on the clock I thought he was the guy that if we were going to go on in this exercise I I was hoping to get when I would be back on the clock at 15 I think you got a nice value there I agree with you Spencer Ware was not in my top 12 Theo Riddick was not in my top 12 either Bernard wasn't 
as well. So some notable names that didn't get picked, of course, we, we mentioned Bernard, Tyler Eifert's on that list. Another name that is interesting to a lot of Dynasty owners might be Jack Doyle, uh, Latavius Murray, of course. Uh, Kenny Stills is an interesting name as well. Probably Dynasty owners out there with uh, still thinking he has some upside to potentially be a wide receiver three um, and the list goes on and on. We, we mentioned a whole lot of them. I'll, I'll rattle off just a few more that we've mentioned. Uh, some we have, some we haven't. Marquise Goodwin was an interesting one. I, I, I think if this went on, he would be one of the picks that people uh, may not expect, but would be a good one. Gillisley, I mentioned. Mike Glennon's probably the only quarterback with, with any value at all, and that's not much. Of course, Vance McDonald, Eddie Lacy, Terrence Williams, Tavon Austin, Cordero Patterson. We've talked about a bunch of those guys. Guys, of the group that's left after the Burkhead pick at 12, and Matt, we'll let you go first here. Who's the guy that interests you? If, we, if this was a real exercise, what would be the top guy on your wish list? Of course, you'd be waiting for Ryan. Who would you want to slide through? I mean, I guess at this point, my, the top guy left on my list is Giovanni Bernard. I'm not super excited about him. Another guy close to the top was Jack Doyle. Uh, Marquise Goodwin and Stills were kind of like right below that. Tyler Eifert a little bit lower down. I'm just, it's probably way too low for Eifert, but I just, I just, I feel like you, Dan, I just feel like I'm done with him. And that's also why Reed wasn't a consideration for me. I just, I just don't want those guys anymore. Burkhead, I think, was a great pick, and I did think about him. I just, I just am worried about like what he's going to do outside of New England. Like, if he leaves New England, I feel like he could be a zero. Like, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, um, top guy left for me, I guess, is Bernard. Ryan, how about you? Who who would have been the thirteenth pick for you? Um, I actually ranked Stills next on my list. Kenny Stills. Um, I, I think knowing that we're kind of trying to put a lineup together, I probably would have gone with Doyle if I was actually making a pick just to grab a tight end there. Yeah, I was. Uh, I had Stills next on my board. I thought he was a top 12 guy. Uh, Burkhead was right in front of him, so I would have gone with Burkhead where you did. Uh, I think there was. I think there's still some value to be had for sure, though. Um, it's a fun exercise. We're going to be keeping track of this as we go. Um we're running out of time at this point, but quickly I should run through Ryan, your four picks, DeAndre Hopkins at one, Robert Woods at six, Chris Thompson at seven, and then at 12 you wrap things up with Rex Burkhead. Matt at number two got Keenan Allen, then at number five got Zach Ertz to get a tight end, went with Theo Riddick at number eight, and 11th he got Spencer Ware for his second running back. It's kind of a silly question to ask, Matt, but quickly, who what's the best pick in your opinion of this of this exercise and what's the worst? Whether it's you or somebody else. <laughs> I feel like I'm being Let's get set some up bad here. blood going. I feel like I've been sitting set up. I mean, I don't know how you argue with Nuka number one. To me, he is clear cut number one. It's it's not necessarily a teardrop there between him and uh, Lev and, and Keenan Allen there, but I think he's definitely like a cut above those two. I, I think Kelsey, you know, might be the best pick because, you know, you can forget about tight end the rest of the way. You don't have to draft another single tight end, Dan, for your roster, and you'll be set. So uh, I, I like that one there. And the worst? The worst? Man, I'm going to say Jordan Reed just, just because. Okay, all right. It, well, considering roster construction, I already had Kelsey on top of it, so yeah. I, I can understand a little bit of criticism 
there for sure. And there are so many question marks. I just, you know, I like to build my team around guys who can win you the week. That's the number one factor when, when building a roster. A guy that can win you a championship in one week when you have him in your lineup. And I think Reed, when he's starting has the potential to catch those two or three touchdowns. And that's hard to find, especially late in this exercise. Ryan, what was the worst and the best pick of those top 12 picks? I'm going to go with Matt on both of these. I'm, I'm quickly coming around on the Keenan Allen pick, uh, even over Le'Veon Bell. So uh, I like that one, if, if nothing else, for, uh, for Matt taking a stand. Uh, so I like that pick. And then... Uh, the pick, I guess, I would disagree with the most. I'm not. I'm not going to call it the worst, but uh, the one I I would not have done was Spencer Ware. <laughs> I, I just, you know, obviously, he's not overtaking Kareem Hunt there. I, I don't think he. Um, I think he's just just a solid backup, and and at that point, late in that first round range, you're, you're just kind of you're just kind of throwing darts with guys. But I probably would take. Look at a guy like uh, Tyler Eifert or, or even Geo, and um, both of those guys, we know they're talented and, and just need to either stay healthy or, or get, you know, get more of an opportunity. For me, I'm going to say the best pick was Chris Thompson, actually. I, I had a hard time ranking the six, seven spots between Robert Woods and Chris Thompson. I settled on Robert Woods at six, but I thought Thompson gave a fight for the spot. I, I thought he was in consideration for sure, and he was a slam dunk. And after that, I thought things got kind of questionable. I, I think there were a lot more question marks, for sure. My least favorite pick, I guess, was the next one. It was Theo Riddick at eight to Matt. Uh, I, I, I certainly wouldn't have gone there. And as I said before, I didn't have him in my top 12. Again, this is this is a roster. Who's got the best start to a roster, Matt? It's got to be Ryan because he got Hopkins, right? Yeah, Hopkins, Woods, Thompson, and... and uh... Who was your last pick? Burkhead. Burkhead. That's, pretty, that's pretty strong. Yeah, I like that. Uh, not me. I, I had visions of having Chris Thompson and, and Theo Riddick as two PPR backs and, you know, being able to not really worry about that position until we get to the to the 2016 class. But, uh, yeah, I think Ryan probably has the best start here. Ryan, what do you think? Uh, I actually think you do. You filled that tight end one spot with Kelsey. You filled the RB one spot with uh, one of the, well, really maybe the best running back in the game with Bell, and, and then came back with uh, with Reed and Anderson. I don't love those picks, but but your first two made up for it. <laughs> okay, all right, I'll take it. So a couple votes for Ryan, uh, another for me, I guess, and we'll see how things shake out. Again, <laughs> over the next four weeks, we'll be cover- covering the rest of the rookie drafts as we see them now. We'll also flash back to some ADP. And at the end, we're going to... I guess, talk about our rosters, uh, maybe do an overall first or top one or two rounds of an, of a uh, rookie draft redo or, or a startup draft redo with only these five, uh, these five seasons. I want to make sure to mention our Playoff Fantasy Football League. By the time you're listening to this, it might have already started. But if not, if it's not Saturday yet, you should join. All you have to do is get in contact with Ryan McDowell on Twitter. He's at RyanMC23. Show him your rate and review of our podcast, and you are entered in our league. We'll be sending out invites this week to get everybody in. We're looking forward to competing with all of you. Of course, the winner is going to get a free year, one-year subscription 
to DynastyLeagueFootball.com. For my co-hosts, Matt and Ryan, make sure to follow the pod at DLF Podcast. Ryan at RyanMC23, at MPricer for Matt, and me at DMiler22. For my fellow co-hosts, I am Dan Myler. We'll catch you again next week. Wait, who are you? Did I say it multiple times? I think you said like Well, they have to know I am the star of the show, guys. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs>